Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello, welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I'm Liz Loza, and joining me like he does every week to recap Sunday's games minus Sunday night football is Matt Harmon. Mr. Harmon, I hope you know that this means that we will not be discussing the 49ers in this episode. So you can kick up your feet, relax, we'll dive into the games. Basically, I'm saying that Kyle Shanahan can't hurt you today. But before we get into all of that, we got a little pre-show business. If you your listener are tuning into this podcast looking for answers on how to improve your team and why else would you be here congratulations you have taken the first step towards fantasy greatness but hey what's the next step i've got it it's signing up for yahoo fantasy plus become the smartest player in your league with a little help from us we'll help you find trades to help your team point you towards waiver wire steals and even tell you which guys to start each week try it out now with a free trial at yahoofantasyfootball.com slash plus. Matt, do you know who needed zero help winning anything this week? Uh, who is that, Liz? It's Josh Allen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was great to see. I, I said coming into this game and, and during the game, too, that, like, these were two units that desperately needed to get right. Like they weren't playing up to our preseason, really high preseason expectations, the Washington pass rush and pass defense as a whole. And obviously Buffalo's passing offense. I think some of Josh Allen's struggles were a little bit overstated, but there were definitely a handful of like, Oh, that was 2019 Josh Allen that I just saw there from the early games or whatever, but he was as good as, as he ever was in 2020 in this game. And and actually, if you could give this like sort of a, I mean, it sounds stupid to say considering the actual final score, but, you know, Washington's pass rush did give him some trouble. He was pressured on 21 dropbacks in this game, uh, completed over 60% of his passes, 9.7 yards per attempt under pre- under pressure, 180 yards, a touchdown, uh, two touchdowns, actually four to- or four total. T- was it four? It was four total touches or five total touchdowns. Um, yeah, he was as electric as as ever in this game in what should have been a theoretically tough matchup. So it was nice for fantasy managers who invested early and believed in another year of Josh Allen's progression, but it was also nice for maybe some waiver wire fodder because the, uh, the Buffalo bills will play the Houston Texans in week four and Hey, Dawson Knox, their tight end has scored in back-to-back weeks. So looking ahead, that might be something tasty, but even better than that, was watching Emmanuel Sanders go off. He converted five of six for 94 yards and two touchdowns looked absolutely fantastic and also is only rostered in 25% of Yahoo leagues. Yeah, all of the, you know, routes run, um, the the volume data that we look for in terms of air yards, targets, it was all basically there for Emmanuel Sanders over the first couple of games. This was really kind of the culmination of that. I think that Sanders, you know, there's a clear drop off between Sanders then to Gabe Davis. So I know he struggled yeah. with some injuries early this year, but it is clear that Gabe Davis, despite the fact that there was like three or four hype trains about this guy coming into the year, he he's the clear fourth receiver here. I think Sanders, is there that big of a gap between like, say, Sanders and, and Cole Beasley? I know that they'll play very different roles in this offense because Sanders is more of a vertical threat. But I think that that Sanders is a guy that you're considering as a wide receiver for uh, or flex play basically every single week because of his attachment to this offense. I think that's accurate. I also think that, I mean, Beasley is 
likely to have larger volume, right? But right. Sanders is probably going to get the end zone looks or the red zone looks that Beasley Vertical isn't. Looks. And, you know, I think that's the tie. I think, you know, you might be a little bit concerned if you're a Stefan Diggs rosterer. Yeah, I mean, the targets have overall been there. Um, he did score last week as well. I, I guess with, with Sanders, like, clearly emerging, part of, you could argue that part of uh, Stefan Diggs' beefy target total last year had to do with the fact that John Brown missed multiple games and uh, missed long stretches of the season. And then basically the Bills just, their calculation was this was a one-for-one swap with um old Emmanuel Sanders and John Brown there. And, it you know, because basically he oh, was getting paid – yeah, it's worked out for them so far. Uh, John Brown hopefully uh, finds a team at some point. That's how far uh, this has worked out for for them uh, this to this point. So, yeah, I think you could say it's a mild concern, I think, for Stefan Diggs, potentially being like the wide receiver one overall. Maybe if Sanders is in the picture, it's not that's not part of the range of outcomes. But um, it's definitely been a surprise how involved he has been. From the Washington football team's perspective, we saw some Taylor Heineke and a lot of Tyler Heineke. In this one, they went back and forth. Um, I think if you have Antonio Gibson, you're relieved. You don't have to be so impatient. You talked him up on FFL. He did indeed find the end zone, admittedly, via the air. But we will take it nonetheless. Ripped off a nice 73-yard run um, off of a catch, which was good to see. J.D. McKissick receded into the quiet once again. He'll have those pop-up games. Yeah. Um, predicting them is going to be basically, I would imagine, based on how many points you think available, uh, how many points are available in the matchup. I also just want to point out that Logan Thomas continues to work as one of the most consistent tight ends, which is saying a lot because tight end is rarely consistent. Right. Uh, he did, I think, catch the final touchdown. It still counts, though. Final touchdown yeah. in a huge blowout loss. It still counts. Uh, yeah, no, I like J.D. McKissick. This would theoretically be the game where you'd think, oh, he'd just be out there. Right. Um, I haven't looked at the snaps the or routes run or anything like that to this point. Could pull it up right now. But I think the point here is just, you know, Gibson's a guy that should get more opportunities in the past game because he is explosive, as we saw. But this game got away from Washington pretty quickly. As you mentioned, Taylor Heineke, two interceptions. He did rush in a touchdown. So if you started him in fantasy, in, in addition to two, um, yeah, two, two touchdowns, uh, man, I was sitting with, uh, I was sitting with Trevor Lewis, our social editor, when, when this game was on and he was, he was deciding which of his quarterback, his backup quarterbacks he was going to cut in this one and like Taylor Heineke was one of his options like two seconds later he threw that egregious interception I think to Tredavious White and he's like well looks like it's Taylor Heineke's gonna get caught oh, I like- hope he didn't do it though because <laughs> no, uh, the Washington no, no. football team is at Atlanta next week so you know I think I'm hoping that that was an in the moment decision and I tried to talk Trevor out of it but we, we shall see we shall see uh, well maybe you can talk me out of being a Bears fan again because the Justin I mean, Fields era did not I feel like I mean feel, Liz, how long have we how long have we worked together? I feel like I've been trying to do that for like four years now. Uh, I just can't quit him. Um, yeah, so Justin Fields completed six passes. Um, and here's here's a fun stat, one that feels really great. Chicago averaged one point one yards per play. That's the second fewest by any team in a game this century. Huzzah! Winners. You know, it's not good when you have to say this century. Century. This is not anybody who watched any of the preseason action week one. Like, obviously, the offensive line has been a massive liability for Chicago. And the hope was that when you have a mobile quarterback like Justin Fields, you can help literally skirt around some of those issues. But Miles Garrett is a beast. And, you know, the defensive front in Cleveland is pretty good. And so they sacked the rookie nine times. This this contest, by the way, featured 14 total sacks, five for the Bears on Cleveland and Baker Mayfield as well. A really, really ugly, low-scoring game. I, I mean, I, I do, I do have to say that I'm a. I talked up Allen Robinson in uh, during FFL, and I really did expect that his targets would at least reach the double digits. And because he is so efficient, and because he regularly converts over 70 percent. I anticipated some reliable production, but when your quarterback can't like plant his feet and he completes six passes, then, you know, you're not going to have double digit anything. Yeah. I mean, this was, 
this was tough. This was really, really tough. You know, I, I think I feel like an idiot, honestly, like for our over under we did on FFL, like the fact that we all swept like oh, over 20 points or whatever, you know, and that was that was uh, we were all just I mean, we were all clearly like so so in, you know, so in on Justin Fields. And I feel like it was just, I said it right after, too. You know, I said it like, oh, what could go wrong? You know, Miles Garrett versus this offensive line. Like, I feel like an idiot for not at least like putting that word of caution in all my analysis with Justin Fields this week. I mean, it was it's unbelievable from a numbers perspective. He dropped back 30 times. He was pressured on 16 dropbacks. He was uh, hit 13 times. I mean, there's just that's there's your no, double digits. Yeah. Yeah, you got you got no. Yeah, right. <laughs> God, it's like <laughs> so bad, so bad. Um, listen, the good news is if we can be silver linings folks here, um, they do get the Lions next week. Last time I checked, the Lions have no, um, they have no Miles Garrett type pass rusher on their team. I mean, this was just like one man wrecking crew, basically destroying an entire offense. I mean, to be hit 13 times, pressured on over ha- half your dropbacks, you've basically got no shot. I think we'll see better days from Justin Fields ahead. I almost kind of just want to Part of me wants to just like put this, like kind of put this behind us and just move forward, but I, I can't tell if I'm being almost like too not just still not being cautious enough about what I saw today. Well, I think this was the fear, right? That you don't want Fields to be ruined before he has a chance to thrive, um, and that was why I was predicting a week four start for him overall until Andy Dalton got hurt. But yes, you're right. Let's take a pause. Let's hope we know. That, I mean, this kid has been resilient. He's been in the headlines. He was on uh, that yeah. Netflix series when he was in high school. Like, That's right. this is part of his life. He is not so easily broken, or so I will remind myself. Um, a player who, you know, is a little bit fragile, if we're talking about being broken. Odell Beckham Jr. made his oh, 2021 <laughs> debut. Thank you very much. Um, Transition. Nine targets, converted five of those for 77. He was the target leader for Cleveland. But less OBJ, I think, was how we missed the opportunity. And sometimes we just have to answer the questions we're given on FFL. But we missed the opportunity to really talk up Kareem Hunt without Jarvis Landry on the field. Remember, Landry's on IR, so it's going to be a couple more weeks. And Hunt had a gorgeous game. He converted six of seven balls for 74 yards, also 81 yards on the ground and a touchdown. I think Kareem Hunt remains one of the most high-floor flex options because of his dual-threat ability that exists in fantasy. Yeah, I think the key, as you mentioned, though, is as long as Jarvis Landry is out, because I feel like the two of those operating on such similar um, areas of the field will be problematic because, I mean, Cream Hunt ran 21 routes in this game. That was the same as the starting tight end, uh, Austin Hooper. It wasn't that far off the number three receiver, Rashard Higgins. Like, he had a featured role here, obviously garnered seven targets in this spot and just was extremely explosive. I think Kareem Hunt is like one of the most difficult players to predict in the NFL because it's not like he has a passing game role a la, you know, a, a James White or something like that. You know, he's hardly ever going to – and the the Browns don't pass the ball enough that much like for him to be a potential high-end week-in, week-out receiver, right? Like so you almost can't just say, well, okay, when the Browns are going to be in – uh, negative game script, or they're going to be trailing. That's when you throw Kareem Hunt in there because this was certainly not that type of script, right? This was a game that they controlled basically throughout. So, I mean, Hunt is definitely a weekly flex consideration. He's just always one of these guys that's going to be very, very difficult to predict. But that's sort of the situation that the, that the Browns and anyone that's invested in this backfield finds himself in because Kareem Hunt is a great back. Nick Chubb is a great back. And like both of these guys have to. They, they command volume. It's just tough for the two of them to coexist in a way that is extremely predictable for fantasy because, you know, Hunt's not just a pass catcher. He's also just a, a great pure runner. Fair enough. Let's talk about Baltimore's backfield because a lot of people were upset to see Latavius Murray running ahead of Tyson Williams um, at the end of the day, right? It was Lamar Jackson who yeah. absolutely beasted against Detroit, but In a game that we anticipated Baltimore to be winning by quite a bit and for game script to lean in, let's be honest, Williams' way because Murray hadn't seen as much, um, 
this was a, a little bit disappointing. I think also we've got to talk about the fact that before I get ahead of myself, you know, I think the game script that we had predicted would have happened had Hollywood Brown not yeah. dropped one, two, yep. three potential touchdowns. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. As they're coming back at the end there, Baltimore's like exerting so much effort to try to beat the damn Lions. I'm like, yeah. man, this could have been just all avoided if Hollywood Brown, you know, hauls in some of those passes. Also, don't you think it's funny? I, I, this is like something I won't be like the well actually person on Twitter about, but it is kind of funny that whenever like Brown has these bad games, like games like this too, that are, are excruciatingly bad, people do the whole like, oh, he's uh, Barstow Brown or whatever. Like they, they, you know, throw Ugh, lesser, a different geographic. Yeah, different. Location. But it's like he's not he's not Hollywood, California. He's literally Hollywood, Florida. So maybe what does he become like? I don't know. I'm sure Jacksonville is a lovely city, but like Jacksonville Brown or Tampa Brown, like what doesn't make any sense. It's one of those things that I, like, I think privately when I see people tweet about it. But again, I'm not going to I'll just talk about it among friends here on the podcast, but uh, but not on the not on the, <laughs> not on the Twitter streets because there's no point in that. I, all this to say, though, it's a brutal break for Brown, who coming into this game, really even dating back to like week 12 of last season, had been playing very well and just, you know, three really brutal drops to the point that you always think when it's it's that bad it's that visible that the guy like might have just gotten in his own head a little bit I kind of wonder about that with Brown um and really never got a chance to to earn it back either well and I mean they're coming off of two uh, very emotional games right like an overtime loss to the Raiders that nobody saw coming and then an emotional win over the Chiefs and you see you've got the Lions on the schedule you're probably tuckered out there's some short weeks over there some short turnaround and you're like oh it's a gimme and then you know I'm not I'm not I'm not as freaked out as Hollywood was today right yeah I think that makes a lot of sense oh we have to talk about obviously um Justin Tucker because he made NFL history kicking a 66 yard field goal what a bad! I mean, actually, I, I, right? Like, awesome! Congratulations! It it hit the bar and then doinked its way in. It is NFL history. Amazing! I, I will. I do have to say though that like the poor Lions just get robbed because I thought one of the best storylines was going to be this Ryan Santoso character, the Lions kicker, who's like been all over the league. He has he's of Indonesian descent, and the Indonesian media like was super excited when he was. When he joined the NFL, he was a golden gopher out of Minnesota. Like, I mean, I thought this was going to be such a great feel-good story, but nothing feels good in Detroit. No. I, well, honestly, though, if you are a fan of the team, you could sit here and say to yourself, well, listen, they're fighting hard. You, they're biting the hell out of kneecaps, right? Like, kneecaps are getting bit by this team, that's for sure. But, uh, man, it's just a tough you kind of, I guess it's maybe they just lose every single game, but they play really hard. That's maybe that's what you want if you're a Lions fan. I don't know. It is nice to see them playing, and it is a, it is a short week. And DeAndre Swift, um, he still got it. Like that, his groin didn't look too sore, right? Like he's climbing over defenders, trying to get into the end zone. Jamal Jamal Williams went all went all Dragon Ball Z, all <laughs> Saiyan. Yeah. Um, right? Am I saying that right? Saiyan. Super Saiyan. Super Saiyan. There you go. You were cl- um, almost okay. like seance there, which is a different, that's a different genre. Right. But that's not anime. And no. we know that Jamal Williams is a super Saiyan samurai. There you go. Um, <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I will say, you guys don't follow the volume. I know it was Cephas who like showed up big in that game against the Packers, but like, yeah, one catch, eight yards, stop trying to invest, stop trying to throw darts, and don't keep worried about TJ Hawkinson. Obviously, the the Raiders are familiar from their week one experience with tight ends and know how to, in fact, now erase them. So I'm not worried about um, the Lions here. I'm not worried. I'm sorry. I'm very worried about the Lions. I'm not worried about TJ Hawkinson (laughs) and DeAndre Swift remains this team's either wide receiver one or wide receiver two yeah no doubt okay let's talk about Tennessee at Indianapolis um a couple of injury notes here and a little mystery AJ Brown left with a hamstring injury you'd think that that would be good for Julio Jones volume and participation but he just like poof disappeared from pretty much the entire second half of this game (sighs) Liz 
I like to think that I know most NFL players, especially skill position players. (laughs) Who is this Nick Westbrook dash a kind character? Who is that? I'm I'm guessing someone's cousin. You do the rookie snapshots, right? (laughs) (laughs) Come on, dig deep here. (laughs) Who is it? I don't. I mean, I don't know. Isn't it, it, it? It actually did remind me today too that the damn Titans, in a year where they clearly needed wide receiver help in the draft, they drafted what was the guy's name, Des Fitzpatrick, and they he's already been like cut or back on their practice. He might be on their practice squad or something, but that looks like, and like the fourth round too. That was like their only receiver pick. That was what it, that was the only thing this Westbrook guy made me think about. It's been a brutal start to the year for AJ Brown. Um, he gets a touchdown in week one. That was fine. Week two, we know, is a mess with all the drops, everything like that against the Seahawks. And then obviously he left this game very early, uh, only registered two targets, did not catch any of them. So, yeah, man, if you drafted A.J. Brown, you got to be feeling pretty pissed. But if he does come back from this uh, injury at some point, I, I think he will be OK, mostly because I think Ryan Tannehill has started to kind of round into shape. This was just a weird game overall. I mean, Carson Wentz. I can't, I'm pretty surprised that he played in this in this spot, but this just a weird game overall. I felt. I mean, I also feel like Vrabel and Julio have got some sort of tension, some sort of something. I have no idea. Um, you so, thought I mean, coming off a great week too, right? Like I thought that that would have been in the past. Yeah, I, I don't. There's something going on there, so I do think it'll work out. You know, hamstring injury, soft tissue issues. I don't need to tell anybody here listening. Everybody who's listening knows that those obviously linger. So, Derrick Henry remains king, though. 113 yards on the ground. He's converted all three of his targets through the air, y'all. This is a new look. Poor Chester Rogers, by the way. If anyone's pissed about this Nicholas Westbrook hyphen, it's Chester <laughs> Rogers who thought, like, hey, I thought it could be a thing. He's not a thing. Um, but indeed, Michael Pittman remains a thing. I thought it was encouraging that even on two bad ankles, Carson Wentz continued to feed him after he had that breakthrough performance in week two. He only converted 50% of his looks, but I'm still encouraged. Um, and I, I just think he is like rounding into his own as a, as a number one receiver. Agree. Yeah, 12 targets. I mean, after the game that he had last week, that's just that's incredibly encouraging. Uh, I'm I'm very still very much bullish on Michael Pittman. The Wentz riding the Wentz wagon will never be comfortable at all. I mean, we've got two broken wheels now at this point too, so or at least uh, mildly dinged up wheels. So uh, it, it, that'll never be comfortable. But overall, yeah, still very encouraged by what we've seen out of Michael Pittman. The Chargers managed to beat the Chiefs, which means a lot more in real football than it does in fantasy, but it was still one heck of a game for fantasy managers. Uh, both of these quarterbacks really like had it was it was a show. It was a, a almost 300 almost 300 yards passing for Herbert, four touchdowns. The Mike Williams Renaissance is real. He went off for two scores plus 122 yards, converting seven of nine. You love to see it. You love to see Keenan Allen with those double-digit targets. We expected a high-scoring game. Last week, we expected a high-scoring game and didn't get it, but the fantasy gods delivered this weekend. On the other side of things, Patrick Mahomes, he only scored three touchdowns and passed for 260 yards, but he also gave you 45 on the ground. This was everything I think we wanted it to be, unless maybe you were someone who rostered Tyreek Hill defenses are keying in but it's just oh there's so many more weapons here Kelsey goes off for a hundred over a hundred yards McCall Hardman uh, per Dalton Del Don's prediction finds the end zone and Clyde Edwards Hilaire despite another fumble I was like oh man another fumble this yeah is no Andy Reid don't care Andy Reid don't care he is the most forgiving head coach Looks the other way. Also, speaking of Andy Reid, I just want to mention that he did go to the hospital with uh, some sort of illness reported by NFL Network's James Palmer at the end of this game was not able to meet with press. So maybe he just right. had a lot of a lot of feelings. You know, they say if you don't let him out, you get sick. Push well, hope, hope we wish uh, Coach Reid well. Hopefully there's nothing serious there. And yeah, I mean, the Mike Williams thing continues 
I mean, he he it, it's it's just a perfect role for him. I've always wanted to him to be in a role like this because he's a great vertical threat, but he has some route capabilities on shorter patterns to be like throw that guy curl routes, you know, throw that guy out routes. Like he can run those classic X receiver routes, and we've we've seen that through these first couple weeks. And it's beautiful too that it's not coming at the expense of any of our typical charger studs like Keenan Allen gets in the end zone, um, still sees 12 targets, catches eight balls. Love that. Austin Eckler still has a great receiving role. Uh, he found the end zone as well through the air, six targets, six catches. Boom. We love it. But yeah, Mike Williams with an average depth of target of 9.2 in this game, his, his a dot has stayed at a very stable level to the point that, yeah, when you want him to, he can absolutely make those big contested plays down the field because he's such a long strider. But I mean, the, he's just always gotten a bad rep because of the, he was drafted so, so high and he's been injured. And I mean, I guess you're still kind of just hoping the other shoe doesn't drop there. But overall, I mean, it, Williams has always been a very talented receiver. And now it seems like he is truly rounding into form, mostly because this coaching staff has not pigeonholed him into like a deep threat role, as it seemed like the previous coaching staff kind of had. I mean, especially working with Philip Rivers the last few years of his career, it's like he was just getting those deep shot lollipops from Rivers's uh shot arm. So yeah, it's great to see Mike Williams in this role. And I think it's sustainable too. Like I don't think he's a sell high. I don't think he's somebody you should stop trusting. Like he's a, a wide receiver playing a perfect role for him in an offense attached with to Justin Herbert. Like don't overthink it. That's the type of thing you want in fantasy. Well, they're also allowing Justin Herbert to air it out, which is nice. We haven't seen that or or we did see that, you're right, from Philip Rivers a little bit, but I think you actually used the phrase that Philip Rivers was trying to write checks that his body couldn't cash. And now we have, you know, a, a passer that's able to connect deep and send the ball all the way. So I think that's that. You mentioned Austin Eckler, by the way, like the efficiency has got me. He has converted 15 of 15 over the last two weeks for 113 receiving yards. So this offense absolutely clicking. Any notes for you on the Chiefs side of things? No, I mean, the CEH thing was good to see because um, this was a good matchup. You know, I think a lot of people were obviously gun shy after what we saw last week and just what we'd been seeing from, from CEH. You know, this wasn't like a the fantasy. I don't know. I mean, I guess fantasy Twitter and fantasy communities finally started talking about it because he you know, has this massive fun. Always talk about primetime bias, like primetime games set the narrative, like in the fact he has this big fumble in a primetime spot. Obviously, it got people talking about it, but CH has not been a productive player for the bulk of his career. You know, coming into this week, he'd gone uh, under 60 yards rushing and nine or under 50 yards rushing in nine of 15 games. Uh, he had garnered more than three catches in only four of 15 games, and that was supposed to be like his thing. So, Hopefully the Chiefs kind of keep sticking with him, but I mean, I think he's just basically he—he's—I think he's just a, like a low end RB two in fantasy, and and that's fine if you need it, but I just don't think there's much of a ceiling here because the Chiefs have never shown an inclination to use him as anything more than just like an average level starting back. New Orleans at New England. I know a lot of people, maybe including myself, thought New England would be a very tasty defensive play here, but uh. Not so much. Um, it was an up and down effort from an injury perspective. We should mention that James White left the contest early and, you know, heading into yeah. this, we were all talking about what a great floor, obviously in PPR friendly formats white had, um, I'd this game really got away from Mac Jones, right? He had been so clean over the first two weeks of the season, but couldn't stand up to a pretty good, you know, Saints defense. He threw three picks sacked twice Looked very much like a rookie, not quite as much of a rookie as Justin Fields looked like, but still uh, a bad day for Damian Harris's production as predicted by Andy Barons. Um, but I think if we're looking for positives, Jacoby Myers did see the volume 14 looks, um, caught nine of those for 94. I think he's going to continue to be not a particularly flashy, but certainly high floor flex option. Yeah, I almost kind of... In in a sick way, I get. I mean, I'm not invested in the Patriots at all, so I don't really care what happens to them one way or another. But I almost kind of wanted to see 
Mac Jones in a spot like this where they couldn't just play this late career Drew Brees like small ball offense like they had been doing with Mac Jones through the first few games. And oh, by the way, I mean, yeah, Mac Jones looks more like a rookie, didn't look as much like a rookie as Justin Fields did because Mac Jones actually got to take reps with the starters at different points in the offseason. Yikes. Uh, but anyways, with Mac Jones here, you know, it was it was great to see again, from a pure fantasy perspective, it was great to see Jacoby Myers pop up for this game. You know, I, I love Jacoby Myers, the player, but they had been, again, just such a small ball offense. But you saw in this game, Nelson Aguilar, uh, he drew eight targets, averaged 22 air yards per target. Jacoby Myers, 12 air yards per target. Kendrick Bourne even popped up for a touchdown over 90 yards, 18 air yards per target. Like, I want to see this New England offense open up a little more. I'd like to see them do it not out of, you know, pure necessity like they did in this game. But, you know, this also wasn't totally on Mac Jones, too. I mean, Jonu Smith, six targets, one catch, four yards. He had some unbelievably bad moments, including one like it was the worst, like, volleyball up to a defender interception off his hands that I've seen probably in my entire life. So wouldn't put this all on Mac Jones, but yeah, definitely the a, a bad game script for Damian Harris managers. Um, we'll see what happens if James, James White misses time. If, you know, Damian Harris or JJ Taylor or who Brandon Bolden, Brandon Bolden pops up into our lives again. Um, what, like who's going to become the passing down back for this team. It was good to see Alvin Kamara have a game. Uh, he found the end zone, also managed 89 yards on the ground. And if you held on to Marquez Callaway, woo, it paid off. If you're in a really deep league, he converted yeah. four or five and found the end zone. And that was after being a drop candidate over the first two weeks of the season. His touchdown did come on, you know, like you said, you were expecting more of a uh, New England defensive domination here. Uh, you almost got like the big Jameis sack with type thing. But like in last week when he did it against Carolina, it went for an interception as he's like flailing backwards. And this time he flails backwards against the Patriots and just lobs it up to Marquez Callaway, who comes down with the touchdown. So I still think Callaway is a pretty low floor um not even that high of a ceiling type of bet. Not a player that I would want to be starting at any point. This this passing offense desperately needs Michael Thomas to get back, but we'll, we'll see what that situation looks like when he when uh, yeah. he does come back. I wouldn't be holding my breath. Here was a really exciting game, and by that I mean it wasn't the Falcons and the Giants two losing squads. Like one of them was going to win eventually, right? It wasn't the Giants. They're 0-3. They're still 0-3. They're winless. But there were some encouraging developments from New York's side of things. I think, first of all, Saquon Barkley finding the end zone. And, by the way, found the end zone on a leap, like a Superman-style leap, body parallel to the ground. This wasn't just a, like, quote, fall into the end zone sort of touchdown, which was was nice to see. He carried the ball 16 times. not entirely surprising that we see Daniel Jones uh, rushing numbers go down a little bit as Saquon starts to return to form. I think that's a transition that we get an equinox, if you will, as we are um, welcoming fall that will occur. Also, you know, Kenny Galladay came into this one back. Kenny Galladay has been banged up since he was in Detroit because his hip's not healed. But There were concerns that he might not even take the field this week, and he ended up catching four for 64 in a nice long play of almost 20 yards. And again, Barkley also managed to get some work done on the uh, through the air. He caught six balls for 43 yards. So there were, and and I will also say, Kadarius Toney, there were some reports that he might get a little run. His numbers aren't anything in the box for two catches for 16 yards, but you're starting to see the Debo light kind of um, fancy footwork from him that made him such an intriguing rookie coming out of Florida. So there are some pieces here. I don't really know if they're ever going to coalesce, but not as all lost, at least from digging for fantasy gold perspective on the Giants squad. Yeah, um, they might have wanted to play Kenny Galladay on limited snaps coming into this game. That was the report because uh, he had a hip issue coming in here. But Sterling Shepard goes down very early. Um, Darius Slayton goes down even earlier after just six routes in the in this game. So, I mean, with those two guys wiped off the board, they had no chance but to play Kenny Galladay a ton. He ends up running 30 routes. Kadarius Tony actually ran 31 routes, one more than Kenny Galladay. Played 42 snaps overall. He's mostly out there on passing plays three targets i mean this is the problem like Kadarius tony's not a 
he's like not a wide receiver yet. So they can't really just throw him out there and expect those type of results, um, which is what ha- had to happen today because Shepard goes down and Slayton goes down and everything like that. But it is nice that they kind of want to get him some get him some touches. They need some sort of I, I'm glad they got him a damn screen pass. You know, I mean, I don't think I un, I totally understand that Kadarius Tony's not the player that you're going to throw out there and like, go be our starting slot receiver. He's not ready to do that, especially after the offseason that he had. But, you know, I, I they can throw him some screens. You know, they can do some reverses or something like that. I just don't know if this is the coaching staff to get it done. No, Evan, it, 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 it is not. It is not. Evan Ingram was back today. Who cares? Um was on the field for 81% from just passing play perspective, six targets. I mean, he's just no thanks. No thanks at all. Um, it, the, the only thing I care about from the Giants is the fact that Saquon Barkley is out there playing a huge snap share. Two weeks in a row, he's been over 80% of the snaps. There, Any talk about limiting him is, is kind of a joke at this point. And the issue for Sterling Shepard, in case, um, since I didn't mention it, but Matt did, was a hamstring issue. So, again, another soft tissue situation that we'll have to Awful, awful injury week, you know? It was just, like, one thing after another this week with just, like, little tiny injuries popping up. Ribs, especially. I mean, ribs are, like, the... (laughs) Midsection. Yeah. Ribs Ribs are a problematic thing this year. Like, yeah, they are. Um, but Matt, I don't want to talk about ribs because you were very close on your touch total <laughs> yeah, prediction for Mike Davis. I mean, he had double digit carries, not 50, but 12. <laughs> I mean, listen, like I said, maybe maybe 50 touches is what it'll take to get Mike Davis to have a good game in this offense. I, I'm officially like, freaked out Say about it. the Falcons offense right well I mean why do you draft uh why do you draft Kyle Pitts and make history drafting him so high if you're not gonna use him in the red area of the field I mean you're, you're gonna target him three times like Matt Ryan definitely looks like he's struggling that's not a secret no no like you don't have to be an yeah. expert to look look at the tape or watch the games and see that but like that's where you have Kyle Pitts come in. And instead, you've got Cordero Patterson with the most juice to quote Tank Williams of anybody on this damn squad. It's really like this was this is the offense we've got is it's a bunch of gadget plays to 30 year old Cordero Patterson. Like this is this is it. It honestly, you know, you think that Arthur Smith is like a sharp guy and everything, but it basically just, I mean, it looks like he's running the same offense that he had in Tennessee, but he has Mike Davis and Cordero Patterson, not Derrick Henry. You know, like, what are we do? Like, Kyle Pitts is playing a Johnny Smith type role. What? Like, I know they can't, they can't pass protect. That's their big, that's their biggest problem. Their biggest problem is not that Matt Ryan hasn't played well. It's that they can't get, I mean, he hasn't played well. That is, it's not, it's not ideal, but they can't give him enough. Like they can't really runway. give him enough time, like enough runway. And he just doesn't look comfortable in this system, which is weird. Cause he's played in a Shanahan offshoot system, which is theoretically what this offense is too. So but it took him a year to get that right. Remember, right. like he was like, oh, that yes, playbook was real, real thick. And it took him a minute to figure that out. But now he doesn't have age on his side or time on his side to um, to mess around. Yeah, he like wasn't he always said he wasn't comfortable turning his back to the defense on play action and stuff like that. Well, it's like this is a play action based offense. This was most of their success in Tennessee was play action. And he eventually got comfortable in it the second season. But, yeah, that was like Liz, that was in 2016. That was like a thousand years ago. That was a thousand years ago in, in Earth time. <laughs> in Earth time. Well, you know, I have to say that the Cincinnati Bengals are bending earth time because watch out. This squad looks good. No T Higgins, no problem. Jamar Chase scores two touchdowns. He's the youngest player to catch four touchdowns in three games, beating Randy Moss. It was Tyler Boyd also found the end zone and Tyler Boyd led the receiving core and looks partially and not even partially, largely because there was no T Higgins. And also, you know, I have to say like, a lot was being made in this Bengals Steelers matchup of the fact that big, big Ben is washed and we'll get to that in a second. And also the like chase to burrow connection and how people, you know, got overly wound up about the struggles that chase had over the summer. But I don't think people were noting enough 
how TJ Watt's absence really did allow Burrow to do a lot of things. Like, I don't know, scamper to set up the chase score, right? Like TJ Watt not being on the field helped the Bengals immensely. And they obviously took advantage of the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely helped the Bengals a huge amount. Um, You know, this Steelers defense coming into it was not what they were. Chase looks awesome. Chase looks incredible. I mean, it's it's exciting to see him out there. Uh, like they, him and Burrow have lost no connection on the deep ball, like they had I- I- at LSU. He's averaging 16 air yards per target. He has four touchdowns on the season. Like, I think Jamar Chase is a clear cut every week starter. You probably at this point, you probably don't have better receiving options uh, than him. So uh, overall, yeah, just really excited about what we saw from Jamar Chase and everything like that on the Steelers side. It's hard to not talk about how bad Ben Roethlisberger looks. It's hard to to not talk about how bad Ben Roethlisberger looks. Like I know that the Steelers' offensive line is not good. I know that that is not the ideal situation that you want Ben Roethlisberger in. But I mean, in their heart of hearts, Liz, like if you gave them truth serum, I feel like they'd say, "Yeah, we just wish Ben had retired. We just wish he would have called it quits last year, but he didn't." And now we're just kind of stuck with this. I I don't think that that's a secret. I mean, I I think if anything, the most encouraging piece of what the Steelers did, Deontay Johnson, obviously not active for this game was Najee Harris, right? Like this, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, right? We talked about like, well, probably, hopefully the reliance on Juju Smith-Schuster will recede a little bit as Najee Harris finds his sea legs. It's rookie year he'll he'll see more looks through the air he'll be the dink and dunk option 19 targets for the rookie running back 14 catches over 100 receiving yards plus 14 carries for 40 yards like all for all of the like this o-line is bad and he's a rookie and game script blah 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 like i think harris volume will oh yeah take care of all of those other issues and and i am by the way what a what a buy in dfs yeah, from from a fantasy perspective, I mean, Najee Harris is going to get too much volume to fail. Like he'll moonwalk into an RB1 season because he's playing all the snaps, getting all the running back carries, and he's getting targets. But I would argue that like Najee Harris seeing 19 targets and catching 14 passes for 100 yards because Deont- and with Deontay Johnson out is actually a horrible signal for like Ben Roethlisberger because it's like he he needs like a binky and his binky receiver, Deontay Johnson, who I think can be like a true number one receiver. I could do more than run those little stupid crossing like slant routes that they do with him. Those drags and everything, but he need like, oh, he's gone. And, and, and now Ben like needs his little other binky receiver guys completed eight of 22 passes for 50 of 15 plus air yards. He can't push the ball downfield and he makes stupid mistakes. Like in this, in this game too, he throws two interceptions, one to a defensive lineman, at least when, Drew Brees was cooked from an arm strength perspective. He could keep the offense on schedule. If I'm if I'm sound frustrated, it's because I am frustrated because I think this offense has really good young players. Like Deontay is a good receiver. Chase Claypool is a good receiver. Juju is a good receiver. Najee's a Najee Harris is a great back, but if it's hard to watch the Steelers team and not get frustrated with the fact that the quarterback is actively, painfully, and visibly holding everybody back. You make a fair point. I mean, to contextualize it numbers-wise, like Ben Roethlisberger, Ben Roethlisberger attempted 58 passes. Joe Burrow attempted 18. And Joe Burrow has three touchdowns. Roethlisberger won. Like, uh, yikes. One touchdown, not one W-O-N. 38 of 58. <laughs> he also lost, 38 too. 38 But, you know, like, I, I don't know. I feel – I don't I don't care. I, like, I've never been to Pittsburgh in my life. Like, I don't, I don't have any feelings for Big Ben either way. Like, for me, this is a fantasy situation. And if I can say, like, oh, hey, you know what? You know who looks good? You know who else is washed? <laughs> ben Roethlisberger and his buddy Eric Ebron that we talked about. What was that? Uh, in 2019, Ben Roethlisberger was like, I need Eric Ebron to come to the squad. Well, that fool couldn't convert on any of his three looks. And meanwhile, you've got this rookie, Pat Fryermuth, who finds the end zone and works as a binky again without Deontay Johnson out. So, yes, I suppose you can say it's horrible that Big Ben is like this albatross around the neck of these emerging wide receivers. But also for fantasy, 
I don't know. I like to find this. I like to find the secrets. I like to find the sleepers. And if that means it's somebody else, like, I'm sorry you decided to invest in the wide receivers in Pittsburgh. That's on you. You knew who their quarterback was. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to get a floor out of all these guys. Well, at least Deontay and and Najee, because they're going to get the volume. It's just a shame because I think like Juju and Claypool are kind of kind of wither in this offense. I mean, 15 targets for Chase Claypool turns into just 96 yards. That's a tough scene. The Cardinals went into Jacksonville and this was a fun game. The beginning did not look anything like I anticipated. I don't know if you saw it. I, I knew a lot of people decided to stream the Cardinals defense because of the matchup. And at first it didn't look, it turned out fine, guys. It turned yeah. out really, really good, actually. <laughs> right. But Kyler Murray threw for over 316 yards, but did not throw a single touchdown. He did find the end zone, of course, via his legs, as he is wont to do. And the Cardinals were incredibly victorious in this matchup. But what was your, what was your, there was a, it was kind of like a wild game. I thought it was exciting. Like I loved, because he was on my sleepers list, like I loved seeing James Conner find the end zone. It felt to me like this was going to be a James Conner game, even if that isn't super riveting to think about. Like, I, I don't know. I like that this game was really unpredictable. Obviously, New Hopkins is still battling through the rib injury. It definitely hurt, but he was on the field. Um, and it was Christian Kirk, not Rondell Moore, who was the the hero in this one. I know I'm bearing the lead about A.J. Green, but, you know, I said it was upside down. I think if we're investing, we're still investing in Kirk um, over A.J. Green, correct? Yes. Um, James Conner is going to have like 10 touchdowns and uh, like 400 rushing yards or something like that. <laughs> this year playing on this <laughs> offense it's going to have like one of those weird years like that. Um, yeah, no, this was a, this was an interesting game. Um, obviously, Jamal Agnew has the historic field goal attempt return for a touchdown. Matt Prater was out there trying to kick the NFL's not just the NFL, but longest kick in football history. Yikes. Didn't go so <laughs> I appreciate you trying. At least you tried on that one. But yeah, Jamal Agnew for the Jaguars makes a historic return for a touchdown. Um, That was the highlight for the Jaguars. That's for sure. I mean, some of their guys produced in garbage time. James Robinson eventually popped in a rushing touchdown. Uh, That was in the third quarter of this game. DJ Chark made some big plays, including one touchdown uh, from Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, by the way. This guy's going to throw like he's going to lead the NFL in interceptions. He's, he's he does. He tries to he he he. it's not that his arm can't cash his checks, Liz, uh, but he tries to write checks that his um his college like you, you can only cash those in college. He's trying to use his I'll get there. He's he's trying to use his like uh <laughs> his meal swipe card at the cafeteria. Yeah, he's trying to. He's trying to use his meal credits out at the out at a real restaurant. You can't do that, buddy. It's the real world. So that's what Trevor Lawrence is dealing with right now. He'll figure that out. I mean, the Urban Meyer thing still freaks me out just a little bit with Trevor Lawrence's future, but it is what it is. Um, on the Cardinals, this is kind of what I hinted at on FFL, which is like everybody wants to start Rondale Moore, and I get it. Rondale Moore is really exciting, and he has some big play potential, but like he's still a fourth receiver on this team. Sorry, but like AJ Green might have dusted you in fantasy last year, but he's playing pretty well for the Cardinals goes over a hundred yards today. Like he's not, he's not completely washed. Like he was completely washed as a number one X receiver vertical player. Yeah. For the Bengals. But what the Cardinals are asking him to do to be like a two or three in their four receiver set, he can still do that. So Rondo Moore is going to have weeks where he can, I mean, if you start if you started him, you hate yourself. He, he caught two passes for a yard and ran once for three. Well, I think you also mentioned the like number of routes run for more while you were on uh, FFL, and there's a snap share problem, right? Like he had 35 percent of a snap share in week one, a little over 50. Meanwhile, AJ Green has managed a snap share of over 80 percent in back to back weeks. So this is. This is the shiny new toy situation that we come into in fantasy. And honestly, though, you know, if you were in, there were a lot of injuries. We've been talking about it. We'll continue to talk about it because more cropped up during this this slate of games. But if you were really hurt, like I have a league, right? I didn't start more anyway because I didn't get him um, off of the waiver wire. But if you had Christian McCaffrey or you had Dalvin Cook, and you needed to chase points, it would make reasonable sense 
that you would try to do it with a ceiling play like Moore because you know he has the ability with that sub 4-3 speed to break something off, especially in a game where you're anticipating a good number of points. But that's when you use him, when you have to chase points and you take the risk because you're going to lose either way. You don't, you don't like, I had someone ask like, should I, should I bench Nuke for Rondell Moore? And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not when you use him. Yeah. Yeah, Or like, oh, should I, I really want to start this guy. I had people ask you, I really want to start this guy. Should I bench like Terry, Terry McLaurin for Rondell Moore? It's like, no, I know even if the matchup is good, which it was this week, like, no routes run in this game. 36 for DeAndre Hopkins, 32 for A.J. Green, 27 for Christian Kirk. Uh, then you got Chase Edmonds and Max Williams and then Rondale Moore down at 14. Like running 14 routes in a game is not going to cut it. And like that's pretty similar to what he did over the first couple weeks. So, yeah, very exciting player. I think he's a great addition to the Cardinals. He's going to have some monster weeks, but they're going to be difficult to predict. So you have to kind of understand that that's the deal with Rondale Moore. And I don't, I don't think that this is changing at all either. Like, I don't see, I, I don't see a, a situation where, you know, Rondale Moore is not like what AJ Green is doing. They might as well play different positions. Like they're not, they're not doing the same thing on the field because uh, just because they got WR next to their name does not mean they're doing the same thing on the field. So there isn't even really a scenario where Rondale Moore usurps AJ Green or maybe Christian Kirk, but Kirk is playing well. So I doubt it. Fair point. Um, let's find some silver linings for some Jets fans. Because it's been oh, a brutal okay. couple of weeks. <laughs> they got shut out at mile high. I, here, I got one. I got one. Okay. Right? This is not maybe going to work out this year because of game script. But it is nice to see Michael Carter finding his way to the top of this backfield. Right? Like, if you have Michael Carter in, in Dynasty and you invested in or you're in a keeper league, like it's nice to see that you don't have to deal with like the Tevin Coleman nonsense that we thought might be a problem and the the Ty Johnson sleeper nonsense like Michael Carter. He only had nine carries because, again, game script isn't going to work in his favor probably a lot of the time and certainly not in a matchup against Denver. But I will say that's nice confirmation. It's not usable, but it feels nice. It does feel nice, which, I mean... My God, it's about all you can ask for. Hey, you want me to give you silver linings for the Jets fans out there? They don't have to play. Well, they got to play the Patriots again, but they don't have to have Zach Wilson never has to play the Broncos again for a while. At least not this year. Get the (laughs) Titans and the Falcons the next two games on the schedule, then the Patriots, then the Bengals, Colts, Bills. At least, okay, let's see what Zach Wilson can do against a couple pushover defenses the next week. I mean, you're not playing anyone here maybe Corey davis because he's getting a lot of volume but you're not playing basically anyone on this team in fantasy right now agreed Uh, on the denver side of things this backfield uh remains really really strong both melvin gordon and javante williams found the end zone gordon did lead the backfield in terms of carries 18 to williams 12 that's it's going to be close every week but in situations i mean like when the Broncos are so heavily favorited in matchups similar to these, you know that there's going to be enough for this backfield so that both of the running backs can eat. And and I don't mind that one bit. I thought that was great. Otherwise, Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton continue to be the top two receivers in the passing game. They're both super efficient. They both convert on all of their targets. Patrick has over 90 yards. Sutton only has 37, but... So it goes. Um, I'm not discouraged by anything else. I was a little disappointed that Noah Fant couldn't find the end zone, but, you know. Yep. Uh, 8.8 air yards per attempt for Teddy Bridgewater. The Teddy Bridgewater gun show continues. Just pushing that ball, pushing that ball farther than downfield than ever. Um, Also got himself 24 yards uh, as a runner as well. I mean, the Broncos didn't have to do very much in this game. So coming away with a pretty good game out of Tim Patrick and both running backs feels like a win. I can't believe this happened, but Miami managed to cover with Jacoby Brissett under center at Las Vegas. Liz, <laughs> they were uh, pl- Liz, yeah. Liz, they were my survivor pick. That was the most. I, ah! I that was the most stressful, <laughs> um, stressful bit of time I've had in quite a Five while. Quarters. Well, yeah, but especially well. The first, like, they go up, for, the Dolphins go up 14 to nothing. I'm like, oh, for God's sakes. Like, I'm screwed. Then the Raiders come back. They 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 clearly get ahead. And then, the, oh, my God, the 
That was very, very upsetting. I was like, I do not. If I go out at week three on a pretty big money survivor league because of Jacoby Brissett, like I'm not going to be, I'm going to be pissed. Well, and uh, weren't we, weren't you talking on FFL about like this backfield? Like there's not going to be enough work. There's not going to be enough work. I mean, you were right. The whole thing was messy. And yet, they hung in there. Eventually, we, we should say the Dolphins lost 28 to 31. Yeah, they did lose. But it should I'm not okay. Have been this I'm way. good. <laughs> I survived. <laughs> I think from a fantasy perspective and the Dolphins side of things, I was really encouraged to see Jalen Waddle with Jacoby Brissett still lead the receiving core in targets. He had 13 converted on 12 of those. Wow. The, the YPR, not great, right? But the fact that Waddle is becoming the team's wide receiver one and he's so young is fantastic to me people will say like yeah and and will fuller was back this week and maybe he's rusty and he's got stuff going on i don't know but like waddle does look legit yeah yep Uh, i mean 12 catches for 58 yards is quite quite a line for jalen waddle but he's a he he's he's definitely their slot guy so i mean he's going to get continue to get those layup looks behind a bad offensive line and a quarterback in jacoby Brissett who does not mind is not averse to checking that ball down nope. he threw only he threw under 10 percent of his passes for 20 plus yards um the last time we saw him as a real full-time starter does it bother does it concern you at all that literally like anybody else gets behind center for the dolphins and they immediately look like a better team like we did this with Fitzpatrick. Then Tua? yes you make a good point. I mean, like we did this with Fitz last year. I mean, obviously, this wasn't this wasn't the cleanest game overall. I mean, yeah, Jacoby Brissett threw I mean, for 215 yards. He needed 49 attempts to get there, but still, so gross. Um, it is concerning, but I I would just like to see Tua be able to have like enough. A stretch. Repetitive, consistent practice to see if he gets somewhere, right? Like, that's this is also Jacoby Brissett has connective tissue with Flores from New England. And so he has the benefit of experience on his side. And Tua, you know, I I mean, when I watch Tua's tape, like, you know, when I go back and watch the Alabama tape, like before the hip injury, he just plays football like a man who knows he was destined to play football. And I really thought that now that he's, you know, what, almost two years removed from that hip injury, like he'd have the opportunity to kind of get back to form. And I still think it's there. I just um, I mean, the question is, like, is he too slight to do it? Yeah, I don't know. Well, you know, you, we love my dad's uh, quarterback evaluations after you're out here after he nailed that Dwayne Haskins responsibility take. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Fiscally responsible Dwayne Haskins shows up in a COVID ridden strip club two minutes after my dad tells me this weird story about how he's so excited about Dwayne Haskins. He's he's said that his biggest problem with Tua, and I kind of agree with him, is that he is a conservative quarterback that still makes boneheaded decisions. That is a bad um, combination for for a. It is a bad combination of things. So we'll see if we'll see if Dad gets this one right after whiffing. I don't I don't know what Tua's experience score is though. So. Good question. No idea. No idea. <laughs> um, but by the way, uh, on the Raiders side of this, it's like I said on FFL a couple like a couple weeks ago. But Peyton Barber, what a just so on brand for for John Gruden. Twenty three rushes. Uh, also caught three caught the ball twenty six times today for one hundred eleven yards on the ground, a touchdown, thirty one yards through the air. Like this was a smash day for old Peyton Barber. They give Kenyon Drake all this money to do whatever he's doing there, uh, playing a weirdo's gadget role. And then they've got Peyton Barber unleashed for 26 touches. And um, on uh, on Brian Edwards, I guess John Gruden was right that he is Terrell Owens slash Randy Moss 2.0, but only in the final two minutes in overtime. That's, what, that's the only Every time. Every time. Yep. I think you covered all of it. Like, Brian Edwards is fantastic, whether he sees regular volume or not, or has another touchdown called back. Not this week, he didn't, but the past two weeks remains to be seen. And I will say, like, if you look at Peyton Barber, like, he averaged, what, what is that, 4.5, almost five yards per carry, and there were extra, there was extra time because of the overtime in this matchup, so some of these numbers are inflated. But, like, if Josh Jacobs can come back, there is so much 
goodness that can happen. If he can get healthy, if the, if the toe and the ankle situations can resolve themselves, then if Peyton Barber is giving us five, 4.8 yards per carry and 23 carries, just think about like what Josh Jacobs can accomplish. That's a great point because what's been made completely clear here is that whatever they view Kenyon Drake as is a completely separate entity to RB1. So I agree, like Josh Jacobs actually might not be the worst buy low in the world right now. Tom Brady lost to Matt Stafford in Los Angeles, but he still passed for over 400 yards and one touchdown. You mentioned rib injuries, and I said midsection earlier, and that's because Rob Gronkowski took a hit to his midsection, left the game, eventually returned, did not find the end zone, but did uh, did manage to draw seven looks. That was tied for third on the team. Remember, Antonio Brown was not active. He's on the COVID list. Um, it was Mike Evans and Gio Bernard. If you can think of two receivers with oh, more boy. disparate skill sets, both of them uh, led the receiving core with 10 targets apiece. Gio Bernard is getting smoked left and right in this game, too. Yeah. <laughs> God, um, that was tough. They're, they didn't even try to run the ball in this game. Didn't even pretend like they were going to do it, did the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But, yeah, I mean, you got a pretty nice game out of Mike Evans, pretty nice game out of Chris Godwin, who actually did rush in a touchdown uh, and also caught six for 74. Um, yeah, I mean, you got you got a pretty good game out of all your Bucks. Brady threw for a touchdown and rushed in a touchdown himself. Um, and then, I mean, the Rams were just unbelievable in this game. I mean, th- this was this was a, yet another reminder of why Sean McVay is like skipping around and, and you know, rainbows are coming out of his ass about this whole Matthew Stafford experience because he's just that geeked out about it. We knew Deshaun Jackson was going to have a big game at some point. Today was the day. Yeah, right on the heels of uh, putting up blanks in week two. The... I was thinking about it. So, like, we talked about Cooper Cup and Robert Woods last week, and I've always been more of a Robert Woods fan. But it was very clear, particularly in this matchup, where you have a pretty good defensive front, right? Like a fierce defensive front, and then you have issues in the secondary, uh, injuries in the secondary. Jamal Dean, who had a knee injury left. um, And then you have a quarterback with a really, really strong arm who actually has receivers who can – answer downfield and Deshaun Jackson is like the as lackadaisical as he may be sauntering to the damn end zone making everybody sweat (laughs) nobody has been more reckless with the ball ever (laughs) (laughs) but he is able to answer and you've got Cooper Cup skill set that just matches this I got to get the ball out fast and I've got the accuracy and I've got the strength and you my friend on the other side will handle the rest of it. And Robert Woods on like screens and stuff just isn't yeah. gonna, isn't gonna see that kind of volume or opportunity when this is the quarterback. And, and you, I mean, that's it like period full stop. Yeah. Yeah. And Van Jefferson continues to play a big role. I mean, Hey, shout out to Robert Woods. He finally ran more routes in a game than Van Jefferson, 33 to 28 for Jefferson, but same amount of targets. Both of them got six. Like, I think the fact that he's emerged, the fact that Tyler Higby is continuing to play a big role on this team. And obviously, yeah, Deshaun Jackson slipping in there every now and again. Like, Cooper Cup is just, he's always open because he runs so much, so much of his routes against zone coverage, never faces press. Like, yeah, if I'm Matthew Stafford, I'm throwing a J- Cooper Cup all the time. And then when you've got other outside receivers emerging, it's going to just, this, I don't know. This is why I was kind of lower on Robert Woods than consensus this year. And it, it, that's playing out so far. He's going to have his weeks. He'll be fine, but he's definitely not. And a set it and forget it every week. Wide receiver too, like he's been in the past. Well, and I don't think that um, you, you saw him in particular last year, right? Like score out of the backfield and be worked into more gadget plays. And like Sean McVay just doesn't have to work that hard when he has, Matt Stafford, right? He can just say like, ah, flick it out fast and get it to your open guy. And like Robert Woods doesn't have to be jerry-rigged or gadgeted into some sort of plays to create production and mask what your quarterback can do because now everybody knows he can do a lot of things. So uh, I I think that's also like, he's just, he has, it's almost because he has so much utility, he has less utility in this iteration of the offense because it's pretty simple. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. What's not simple is how Russell Wilson must be feeling 
after dropping two games in a row now, this one to Minnesota, Everson Griffin, obviously healthier this week. Um, I believe Anthony Barr was still out, but the defense, I, I Russell Wilson was pressured on nearly 60% of his dropbacks here. We know that he's got O-line issues and also his defense just can't apply the same pressure on the opponent. And so what you have is like a whole lot of stasis. Yeah. No, after week one, I was kind of like, oh, wow. The Seahawks defense played a pretty good game, like rushed the passer really well. Good looking uh, effort overall. Now I think, well, they were just playing Carson Wentz because these past two games has de- have definitely made it look like they're not a very good defense. Um, nice to see DK Metcalf get back on the board here. Uh, touchdown. People can't believe people. Oh, DK Metcalf has loved it before the first two weeks. Oh my God, give me a break. Nine targets, 100 yards, a touchdown. Uh, Tyler Lockett did get hurt in this game. Um, he We'll see. We'll see. He did walk off uh, under his own power, but it looked like a pretty nasty injury. So we got to tra- track that one uh, coming out of Sunday as well. Alexander Madison was everything you hoped he would be. So that was that was good. 26 carries, 112 yards for him and six catches, too. Yeah, he didn't find the end zone, but he certainly racked up some sweet yardage. And I liked his usage uh, in the passing game. In fact, I think, <laughs> you know, uh, Andy and Scott, and I think we did as well, talked about K.J. Osborne. You said last week, like, is K.J. Osborne a thing? And the answer seemed to be, well, when the Vikings needed to make up points and couldn't rely on their ground game and couldn't rely on their defense, then, yeah, he was going to be the third option in this receiving game, helping Kirk Cousins play catch-up as he had the past two weeks. But no need with the Seattle defense to play any sort of catch-up. And so you see K.J. Osborne convert on both of his looks, but not – receive enough volume to be fantasy relevant yeah no there's not enough volume to go around here for kj osborne's performance to be sustainable um but great big game for justin jefferson adam Thielen just keeps scoring touchdowns (laughs) unbelievable tyler conklin by the way if you need a tight end if you need a tight end tyler conklin has been running a good amount of routes does get eight targets in this game too and scores and next week um minnesota will be hosting the Cleveland Browns. So there's a little preview, but that is all that we have for today. But we always keep the conversation going on Twitter. You know, you can follow me at Liz Loza underscore FF and Matt at, at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. Also, if you don't already, make sure you're following at Yahoo Fantasy. And now that you have received the fantasy breakdown of week three, go check out You Pod to Win the Game, where Charles Robinson and Frank Schwab will go over the biggest storylines in the NFL. Also, told you before that they do a regular show you want to check it out heading into week four scott and andy are hosting the pod tomorrow with pickup recommendations tune into all of that and enjoy the games and until then we're out Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.